Do you ever wonder how great leaders in the community make things happen? When they encounter new unexpected challenges like a pandemic, how do they continue to successfully make an impact? Welcome to That Sounds Terrific, the podcast that connects you with these amazing people. Get insights on what they do to meet their goals. Find out how you can help them in their mission and learn their methods so you can be more successful at what you do. Welcome to That Sounds Terrific with host Nick Koziel. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of That Sounds Terrific. Joining me today is Fred Diamond. He's the author of Insights for Sales, Game Changers, and Love Hope Line, which is a book about chronic illness support. Um, thank you for being on the show, Fred. Nick, I'm thrilled. Can't wait to talk to you. Yeah, so we connected a few weeks ago and uh, shared a little bit about my personal journey and then kind of realized uh, through a mutual connection that we just had to have you on the show. Why don't you start off just a little bit about telling, you know, the audience a little bit about who Fred is and, and kind of, you know, what you do. Sounds great. I live right near Washington, D.C. in a town called Fairfax in Virginia not too far from the Dulles Airport, if your listeners travel. Uh, I run an organization, it's called the Institute for Excellence in Sales. And we help big business-to-business -business employers like Amazon Web Services, Salesforce, Hilton, Red Hat Software, uh, attract, retain, motivate, and elevate top-tier sales talent. But I also wrote a book, as you alluded to, called Love, Hope, Lime, what family members, partners, and friends who love a chronic Lyme survivor need to know. And uh, I've been talking about that a lot. I've been, I also host two podcasts, one on sales called the Sales Game Changers podcast. We're well over 650 shows. And I typically interview VPs of sales with big companies. And then I started a podcast called Love Hope Lyme, which is based on some of the things I learned uh, when I wrote the book, Love Hope Lyme. Very, very cool, Fred. And, and that's something that's very close to, to me because uh, I had shared with you. Actually, I went down to your area. I was in, I was actually visiting in that area when, uh, unfortunately, I went through all of my visits. It was for a college that I was fundraising for, and I just wasn't feeling well. And then found, um, you know, bullseye in the back of my leg and wow. kind showed uh, this is like right when telemedicine was sort of starting. It was before the pandemic. And I showed up, you know, a video and a picture of the back of my leg. And the doctor's like, you need to get yourself like into an emergency room based upon your your symptoms. So um, I do want to concentrate on that because I, I know that, you know, after that, I've dealt with a lot of different, um, you know, challenges around, I think, what I have is chronic Lyme. I have not been diagnosed officially, but I, I feel like that is definitely something that could be a possibility. Um so I guess like, let's start from the beginning of that. Um, and the kind of like, how, how did your, you know, journey to writing this book start? So, uh, someone very close to me, uh, had, uh, Lyme disease and, uh, it was just part of our lives. Normal thing. Uh, you know, she, uh, this particular person had Lyme. We also like going to concerts and the beach and, and all those things. So uh, I just always viewed it as, okay, just a medical challenge that someone in my life had. Uh, about two years ago, uh, kind of in the beginning middle of the pandemic, if you will, uh, the symptoms that this particular person had started what they call flaring. So I decided that I needed to learn more about this particular disease. So I dug in, went onto the internet, bought every book I could find on Amazon, uh, 
join Facebook groups that were associated with Lyme. And I realized, Nick, that I knew maybe 5% of what there is to know. And I uh, just started, like I said, delving in, uh, asking a lot of questions. And I was shocked at, at how much I didn't know. And not just how much I didn't know, but how how pervasive Lyme disease uh, is in the world. There's an estimate that 60 million people actively have Lyme disease. And to define it for your audience, Lyme is a tick-borne illness. Uh, you had alluded to that you were bitten by a tick before the pandemic, and then it could cause all different types of symptoms if it's not taken care of. Mm -hmm. Now, if you get bitten by a tick and you see what you refer to as the bullseye rash, that is probably the most telltale sign that you have been bitten by a tick and the process of Lyme might be starting. In most cases, if you get antibiotics for a couple of weeks, it should take care of it. It's going to be a pretty bad couple of weeks because of all the symptoms, but it should take care of it. And in 80% of the cases, it will. The book that I wrote about talked about what it talks about what what you alluded to was chronic Lyme, or mm -hmm. they also call it persistent Lyme, which is when in most cases you have medical challenges, but you don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. And you go to the doctor and the doctor says, um, it looks like maybe you have early stages of arthritis. One of the reasons is the the bacteria from the tick with the Lyme disease will go to your joints. So it looks like arthritis. So the average doctor uh, in an urgent care or a GP or something like that will say, okay, well, it looks like you for some reason have arthritis. So they'll give you some things to take care of that. And you'll feel fine because you got a little bolst from medicine or boost. And then a couple of weeks later, the symptoms come back and you have other symptoms. You know, you have neck pain, you have headaches, you have sweats, you can't sleep, you know, whatever it might be, anxiety. So then uh, they'll say, okay, well, maybe you have the flu. So here's how we treat the flu. And they give you care for the flu. You might've gone to 10, 15 doctors and it might take years. In some cases, I've met people, Nick, who haven't been properly diagnosed for decades. Mm -hmm. And then finally, by that point, you know, the Lyme has become chronic. One other quick thing, uh, a tick can transmit, in some cases, as many as 24 different diseases. Mm -hmm. They're called co-infections. So Lyme is the most well-known. But there's also diseases like Babesius, Bartonella, Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. You know, you and I talked about cats before yep. the uh, episode. There's a tick-borne illness called cat scratch fever, mm -hmm. uh, where a tick will bite a cat, and then the cat will transmit some of the uh, some of the uh, disease uh, to you through its scratching. Yeah, yeah, and and I had told you right before we um, started that uh, what was about a week ago I got bit by another tick, and and that actually yeah. we're pretty sure um you know uh was local um like to our property and got it off before it really got that much bigger but you know how long does it you know based on your <laughs> research and stuff how long does it take for for a tick to transmit a disease like Lyme or or others so the way it works is in most cases uh and there are multiple types of ticks and one thing I want to let your audience know is a lot of people think, well, you know, you're up in upstate New York, right? Like yep. Rochester. Yep. Right, I'm in Northern Virginia. Uh, most people, a lot, not most people, but some doctors will say uh, you can only get Lyme disease in Hudson Valley, New York, or mm -hmm. Lyme, Connecticut. Lyme is actually named after a city in Connecticut. It's a beautiful city, ironically, called Lyme, mm -hmm. where uh, cases started to be known in the in the late 1970s. Um, but tick-borne illnesses everywhere. Matter of fact, this summer. 
you and I are doing this interview in, in uh, November of 2023. Yep. In the summer of 2023, I drove across the country and I did book signings in Texas. Mm -hmm. You know, there's the Texas Lime Alliance. And then I did some book signings in Austin and I did some book signings in Omaha, Nebraska, mm -hmm. because there are people who got Lyme disease uh, uh, up that area, if you will. So the tick will resident itself, usually on a deer or a mouse. Mm -hmm. And that's why uh, deer ticks are commonly known as the ticks that will jump off of a deer and it will put itself maybe on a blade of grass or some high grass, if you will. That's why a lot of people, when you go hiking in high tick areas, we tell them, you know, make sure that you have high socks and long pants and, mm -hmm. you know, your, your body is covered because the tick will will uh, lunge itself onto your body and it will transmit pretty much right away. Mm -hmm. You know, once it bites you and embeds its head, it will bite you right away. And if it is a Lyme disease carrying tick or one of the oracle infections, it will start right away. And you might see symptoms the next day, or you might see symptoms two days later. Like I mentioned before, you saw the bullseye, which is the mm -hmm. most common way, but I'm going to guess half the people who have been diagnosed with Lyme never saw uh, never saw the bullseye. I mean, a tick is a very, very tiny, it's about the size of a, of a pinhead. Mm -hmm. And the other thing too, is a lot of times since they're low lying for the most part, you know, they will lunge, uh, onto the back of your leg or the back of your knee, or maybe, um, below your waist, you know, areas that you typically won't see. So you may never yep. see a bullseye. You may never feel, you, may, you know, it's not like a mosquito where you feel a scratch. Um, in most cases. So, right. uh, but then you start noticing the symptoms. Yeah. So mine was, yeah, on the back of the knee for the, for the one that I'm pretty sure infected me. And then the other one is kind of like underneath, right? The arm mm -hmm. places where you don't normally see you you don't scratch. So a lot of times you don't even feel that it's there, even though when it's growing bigger, you get, you can, can actually see it. So it is very important. Like as you're going through all these different things, uh, again, we live in the country. Uh, mm -hmm. So for, even more important for us to kind of, to check for ticks and, and we, we're pretty religious about it, especially with the kids. But, you yeah. know, as adults, we, we often kind of don't check ourselves as much as we check our kids. Right. So I'm definitely uh, guilty of that, but you know, the hardest part of it all, you, you, you talked about this earlier in the conversation was, you know, the sporadicness of, you know, the symptoms and the craziness of symptoms. And what I started running into was, you know, I got that, like what you're talking about, like early arthritis was, you know, um, something that, you know, doctors would tell me, but then the insurance companies get in the way. Mm. Right. Because like I'm going to those multiple doctors, like you're saying, because and I'm looking like this crazy nut who just thinks he's sick. Right. So insurance companies don't want to like do tests to confirm whether or not it's like really arthritis or something else. Um, and that's kind of where I ran into a brick wall last when I was having problems. Um, no, that's a huge problem. Matter of fact, um, one of the problems is once the line becomes chronic or persistent, uh, insurance doesn't cover it. And the basic reason is insurance companies don't want to pay for something that's incurable. Right. Right. So I just want to talk about that for a second. Sure. Um, you hopefully uh, with the right care and the way that people care for themselves, I'll talk about that for a second. The most common way, of course, is Western medicine, which is antibiotics. Mm -hmm. So the average doctor will prescribe uh, a couple of weeks of doxycycline or something like that, mm -hmm. which is the most common one. If it's a child, maybe it's amoxicillin. Um, so then, uh, the symptoms will persist. There's a whole other world of how people treat themselves with herbals. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. So uh, there's a, a doctor who passed away last year, Dr. Stephen Buner, who was one of the first ones to um, to promote usage of herbals for all of the symptoms that you may come across, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's also other things like Eastern practices. You know, I, I talked to one of the top, since I wrote my book, I met uh, a lot of the best Lyme doctors in the world and had a couple of them on my podcast. Mm -hmm. One of them said, the best thing to do is get sleep, sleep and mm -hmm. diet, you know, because right. you're taking all these antibiotics and it affects your gut. So gut health, a lot of people propose is the most important thing. And right. I interviewed uh, someone who uh, uh, recently won an award from the Global Lyme Alliance about the main thing she did. And she said she's had to adjust her lifestyle, right? She makes sure every night she gets enough sleep and she makes sure that she eats healthy. Gluten-free is a very common type of diet that people with Lyme will take. Mm -hmm. uh, but it it becomes one of those things where you, if you build your life around it, yeah, you can have a, a great life. A lot of times it'll go into what's called remission. Mm -hmm. So the bacteria is probably always going to be there unless you catch it like right away within a couple of days. And then in stressful times, like during COVID, for example, uh, a lot of Lyme patients had their symptoms uh, reemerge mm -hmm. because of all the stress we had related to lockdown and economic challenges and all the news that was coming out politically. You know, people were were dealing with a lot of stressful situations that reactivated the the bacteria and with the co-infections, you know, the parasites. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I I can totally see how that would happen. And kind of like what clued me in um was I was kind of taking the arthritis diagnosis as okay, maybe I do have that, right? It kind of runs in the family and, and but it just mm -hmm. it was super early. Um, you know, I, when I had the bite, I did go to the emergency room. They gave me, you know, um, pills to take over a course of a couple weeks, which I did. Um, you know, so I was hoping caught whatever it might be early. Um, but like you said, it emerged really quickly. Um, initially had fevers. I was, you know, feeling like I was going to faint at times and things like that. And then all of a sudden it was fine. But what really kind of clued me in was when I went to the doctor because I was having these shooting pains in uh, my leg, but like in the bone, it felt like something like felt like a knife stabbing into the bone. All right. And he said, it's always we think it's arthritis. I'm like, there's no joint there. It's the leg bone. Like, and then they started going all sci sciatica and I'm like, but it's not starting back. So then I started kind of looking into some of the, the chronic Lyme stuff mm -hmm. um, and, and realizing it might be that because it kind of answered a lot of other things like always being tired and like, you know, so it's good that there's different things that people can do. And I'd like to talk a little bit more about that because one of the things that I did that helped for a while was going and getting acupuncture. Mm -hmm. And that helped a lot um, with a lot of different things. <laughs> so, um, so that was something that worked for me when I was in central New York and not so much now that I've tried to do it out where I am now. Um, but I guess I'll say one more thing about myself. The other thing that's kind of hard about me is I tend with medication to build immunity very, very quickly. So like mm -hmm. things like Tylenol and all that other like pain medication stuff doesn't work for me. I feel like no different whether I take it or not. So a lot of times after surgeries and things like that, I don't take pain meds because I don't feel the difference and I don't want to get like addicted and things like that. So my worry is kind of like combined with the fact that Lyme kind of stays with you, like you're saying forever bacterial wise, that maybe that 
medicine that I was on did nothing because I was already sort of immune to it and built up that. So, but <laughs> here's the question. So like, what is the best way once you kind of realize that you have Lyme, what do you, what do you kind of do or how do you get diagnosed? Cause I'm, like I said, I don't think I'm not diagnosed with chronic Lyme. So how do, how do I go about sort of proving that, that that's what's going on and I'm not just tired or achy and getting old. So you just, you just opened up uh, a lot of the challenges that happen. And by the way, you know, I didn't know this two years ago, right. You know um, I thought that, uh, you know, like, in mo and I've been very healthy for the most part for my life, as is most people in my family. So we don't have a history of pre-existing conditions. I mean, there's been some heart disease in, in various parts of, of my uh, mother's uh, um, uh, family line, but I, I didn't have any chronic illness or, or anything like that in my family. So usually when you're healthy and you have some type of medical problem, you, know, you take some kind of pill or you go to a doctor, doctor says, it's this, take this pill, you'll be fine. And the next day, for the most part, you're fine. You alluded to a couple of things that I'll touch on. One is Lyme is known as the great imitator. Because mm -hmm. like you just said before, it wasn't arthritis. You know, you didn't have arthritis. You had symptoms of arthritis because the bacteria went to the joints. It digs itself into, you know, muscle tissue, organs. A lot of people have heart challenges because the Lyme bacteria goes into the heart, heart carditis. Sometimes the, well, not sometimes, a lot of times the Lyme bacteria will go to the brain and it'll go through the brainstem, Estelle, uh, the brainstem. And then you have things like brain fog and anxiety and just ridiculous um, response to stress. So there's so many things that the Lyme will happen. And here's one of the challenges. One of the riddles is most doctors are trained in one thing, mm -hmm. right? So uh, if you're, you know, a rheumatoid arthritis doctor, you know, you're trained in arthritis. So you look for arthritis. Mm -hmm. um, if you're a general practitioner, you look for basic things like flu and those kinds of things. Um, there is a type of doctor called Lyme literate medical doctor, LLMD. Mm -hmm. They're very specialized in how to treat Lyme disease. You mentioned, how do I know if I have Lyme? Uh, there is a test for Lyme, but it's flawed. There's actually a couple of tests, but they're mm -hmm. flawed for reasons that would take me too long to go into, but just trust me on that. Sure. So some people may show up as negative for Lyme, but they have it because mm -hmm. the tests aren't totally robust. So one of the top doctors uh, in the world, his name is Richard Horowitz. He actually wrote the foreword to my book, Love, Hope, Lyme. He has it basically a checklist, you know, go through this list. And mm -hmm. if you have a certain number of checks, there's a pretty good sign that you have Lyme. The other problem is this. Uh, recently, there was a, a modification to this. But up until very recently, again, you and I are doing this interview in the fall of 2023, the CDC, Centers for Disease Control, said that there is not, there's nothing called chronic Lyme. Mm -hmm. What they said is you should take 28 days of antibiotics. That is the official treatment for Lyme. It's prescribed by the infectious disease, um, the infectious disease doctors association, uh, and the IDSA. Uh, and that is it. Now there's a chance that if you take 28 days of antibiotics, how we tell you to treat it, you might still have some symptoms. Mm -hmm. That is not called chronic Lyme disease. That is called post-treatment uh, post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome. Mm -hmm. So here's the, one of the big dilemmas, Nick. Imagine you're someone who's been in pain for 20 years, right? And doctors are saying it's, it's arthritis. Here, here's a basic scenario. It's arthritis. 
okay, we talked about that before. Well, three weeks later, it's not. Then they say, well, some kind of flu. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's not. And then they test you for a long, maybe they do, and it comes up negative. And then they do this, and then they do this. And then you've been to the sixth or seventh or 10th doctor. And the 10th doctor says to you, listen, we treated you for this. We treated you for this. We treated you for Lyme. It didn't show up as Lyme. Maybe it's in your head. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I'm in pain a lot. Uh, it ain't in my head. And then your family member hears the doctor say, it's maybe in your head because they don't know how to treat Lyme, right? Right. Or other chronic illnesses or chronic uh, co-infections. So then your family member says, um, you know, the doctor, MD doctor just yep. said, it's probably in your head. Maybe we should put you into a psychiatric ward for a couple of weeks, just so you can get your bearings back. And sure. you're someone who has the disease. It ain't in your head. So that's, I've heard that story so many times, Nick, of people who were um, cast away by their family, who were mm -hmm. told very lovingly, gee, it's probably in your head. Mm -hmm. um, I'll tell you another little twist. I interviewed a uh, former Air Force jet pilot. Mm -hmm. Her name is Nicole Malakowski. She was a Thunderbird. She was the highest level, one of only 75 women jet sure. pilots in the Air Force. She got Lyme disease when she was in basic or some type of training in North Carolina right? She went through batteries of tests, tons of tests. They ruled out Lyme. They said it was Lyme. They sent her all over the place because mm -hmm. she was such a high performer. X number of years into this, she went to one of the medical, one of the military medical hospitals. Uh, a peer of hers, a Navy doctor, looked her in the eye, touched the top of her hand and said, you've been a high achiever in a man's world for a long time. Maybe this is just a, a uh, maybe this is the, the, uh, awareness that you need to maybe call it a day or something like that. Jeez. Uh, and I had her on my level. This is a jet pilot yeah. for the, for the air force, one of the highest performing women in the military, not just women, you know, people in the military. Mm -hmm. And she was so condescendingly told this, and she knew that it was going to happen. And, uh, that's some of the, the trauma that people with the disease goes through, uh, go through. So, it's, it's really, it's, it's a dilemma. I had no idea, man. Two years ago, mm -hmm. I had no idea. I thought Lyme disease. Okay, go treat it. You know, you break yeah. an ankle, you know, I'll tell you another one thing on Facebook, there's a thousand Facebook groups devoted to Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. Some of them, Nick have tens of thousands of people who uh, subscribe to these Facebook groups. You mm -hmm. know, if you break an ankle anywhere in the world, in Sydney, Australia, in, in Moscow or in Sacramento, California, the orthopedic doctor is going to take an x-ray. He's going to say, yep, it's broken. Go uh, put a cast or one of those boots on for six weeks. Go sit on your butt. Then we're going to do some rehab for two weeks. Then you're going to be done. Every right. single orthopedic surgeon, no matter what languages they speak on the planet, right? And um, there's no Facebook groups for broken ankles, you know, uh, but there's a thousand Facebook groups and Instagram and Reddit and, you know, Twitter and uh, all the other where people are seeking advice because the average doctor doesn't know. Even the doctors I talked to you about before, the Lyme literate medical doctors, by the time you get to them, there's so many things mm -hmm. that unfortunately, you, you alluded to this before that have ravaged your body. So even they don't have a pill, right. you know, but they have a educated prescription because they've seen and they specialize, but even their treatment isn't go take this. I mean, people are, I'll tell you other quick things um, that you talked about before uh, you mentioned acupuncture. People take um, high, high, very high heat uh, infrared sauna. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. know, to try to kill off the bacteria in your body. Um, I've heard people who've traveled to Peru to take a certain type of mushroom that may relieve some of the pains. Yeah. Uh, Rife machines, which basically inject, um, which basically inject uh, radio frequency into your body to negate, you know, some of the, some of the stress pressures. Um, there's a medicine called ivermectin, which was big during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's usually treated to kill parasites in horses mm-hmm. uh, that people take to get rid of the parasites from the kill infections. And there's some others that I won't discuss on the show that are just, you know, beyond belief. I mean, the average person gets a headache, mm-hmm. you know, you take some aspirin or Tylenol the next day, you're going to be fine. The people who have this disease and related chronic illnesses, it's, 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 it's tragic. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, just assuming that, that that's what I have, you know, it, the other thing that's tricky about it is I will be miserable for two, three days and then go out and play hockey and ha- like, there's no problems whatsoever. And, you know, then a week or two later, I feel like complete junk again. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the challenge of like what I'm going through. So like, again, I don't know for sure if that's what it is, but it definitely sounds based upon like everything that's been going on and when these symptoms really sort of started that it's a good possibility but so how like in this day and age the other thing that we kind of combat with is the whole like idea of you know misinformation and fake news and all that other stuff and i'm sure that there's a lot of great groups out there but also i'm sure that there's a lot of not so great groups so how do you kind of weed that out and kind of figure out what's the best support area to be because you touched on this too it's like it's a mental thing too it's um whether it's the person that's going through it and trying to deal with it themselves or the family that's saying, well, maybe the doctors are right and you need to get your head examined. But like, so where do you go for this, the, the best support and, you know, sort of the best information? So let's talk about online. That's, that's a great question because um, uh, like I said before, you, know, you get a headache. It's, it's very simple. Go take some aspirin, go to CVS and get some aspirin. You're going to be good. Mm-hmm. So when you have this disease and we talked before, there's so many symptoms. Lyme is also known as the great imitator, yep. like I mentioned, because it looks like so many different things. So uh, I'll give you an example of the challenge. I mentioned all these Facebook groups, some with thousands of people and the people who run these groups are, I've met so many of them because they were so grateful for me. My book, was the first book of its kind that was ever written. When I first, I mentioned I jumped on Amazon uh, in summer of 2021 and I searched Lyme. I had never even Googled Lyme before. I might've Googled best gluten-free pizza because I know that was part <laughs> of this person's diet, but um, I didn't know any things that I knew. And there were three types of books that I saw. There were books that were an inch and a half thick written by doctors, everything you need to know about Lyme. And as I'm reading these books, I'm like, oh my God, oh, oh my God, oh my God. Mm-hmm. The second type of books were what I call my battle with the tick books. Uh, Tommy Hilfiger, the designer's daughter, Allie Hilfiger had Lyme disease. Uh, Yolanda Hadid from the uh, the Housewives series on, mm-hmm. on Bravo. Uh, she wrote a book about her battle with Lyme disease. And then there were books that were maybe, you know, a quarter of an inch to an inch thick, on things like mindfulness and Lyme, keto diet and Lyme, uh, stress relief and Lyme. Mine was the, and there were no books for family members, partners, or friends to understand this. So my book was the first. The reason I say that was it, it was embraced by so many people. So I was invited to join their Facebook groups because they were so grateful for me for creating something to help people get some peace. The way I say it is, I'm just trying to bring some peace to a community. But here's something I'll notice. Someone will type into one of the Facebook groups, 
um, I have a lot of pain in my leg, like you just alluded to. Sure. And then what do, what do you recommend I do? And everybody is caring, right? So somebody will say, I've had that problem before. You need to take um, this herb or something like that. And then somebody will say, well, I took that herb and it did nothing for me. And yeah. then somebody else will say, well, I didn't take that herb, but I took this particular herb. And then someone else will say, I tried that and it helped, but it also caused you know, some brain yeah. fog or something. So I'm looking at these things and I'm like, God bless these people for having to try to figure this out. Uh, almost everybody who gets to the stage of Lyme, they become detectives to try to figure out what is their own unique case. That's why I mentioned before why every Lyme doctor, you know, pretty much has their general protocol, but a lot of it goes to you personally. Your genetic history is a is a big factor. Um, where you live, what you what your family situation looks like. Um, here's another one that shocked me, and your your listeners may have some some relevance to this. Um, I was listening to a webinar with one of the top Lyme doctors on the planet. This was the summer of 2021, and he was doing a seminar to like the Pennsylvania Lyme Association. And I logged in and I'm watching it, and I was shocked, Nick, that I knew 90% of what he was talking about. At the 59th minute of a one-hour webinar, he said, and oh, by the way, if you've had any childhood trauma, you need to address this or you're never going to get cured. Thank you. Take care. Goodbye. And I was like, where, huh? where, where did that one come from? Yeah. And then I started seeing that time and time again where people, uh, they would say to get to a place where you are in true recovery, you need to address trauma. And I've heard of people who said they've totally left their lives mm -hmm. because um, of the the trauma and the stress that being in the same situation brought to them. And that's tragic, man, to have to cure yourself from a disease, to leave people who love you. They may not be the best for you because they mm -hmm. don't know. And some people might in your lives may really be horrible, mm -hmm. but you know, and you know, that's, that's, that's tragic. That's a whole separate show we could do. Sure. But, yeah. You know, to have, and then to have to go back and, I've had people who've said to me, I've had to go back and rethink every minute of my life and the medical side of dealing with this, this disease so that I can have a, a great life. But here's one of the things too, is um, there's a debate if you can totally cure yourself once you get to chronic Lyme. Mm -hmm. And we don't need to go into that because the bacteria, if it doesn't get killed right away, it's probably going to still be in your body at some point. But you can live a great life. I mean, there are people who work unbelievable jobs, uh, very high uh, responsibility jobs with chronic Lyme disease, mm -hmm. and they build their life around how they need to be. I talked to a VP of operations for a well-known brand, mm -hmm. and she said she's had chronic Lyme for 30 years. And I'm like, how do you possibly be a VP of operations for a company that everybody listening would know. And she said, I'm done work at five. Mm -hmm. um, I don't do any work on the weekends. Um, I manage my diet properly. Um, she said, some people know that I have Lyme, but you know, it's never really been an issue because she's a high performer. She's very intelligent and she bases her life. And Nick, there are people I talk to who haven't gotten out of bed, you right. know, in months because of it. So yeah. 
Well, and a lot of this is is good for you anyway. Even if like, even if I don't have chronic Lyme, what you're describing, like eating healthy and having a consistent diet, doing things that you know make your body more healthy, is generally just good in general, right? So, um, you know, I'm I'm gonna explore more for sure. You know, I definitely am gonna read the book. Um, I kind of make this sort of unofficial. Um, you know, habit of not, if I have an author on, I don't read their book until after, uh, just to kind of get it, get it from the author's mouth and hear what they have to say and then kind of do that. Um, so bringing that up, like what, what is the best way to get the book? We'll obviously have the link in the, in the show notes, but, um, you know, how do, how do people connect with you and, and get your books? Yeah, there's, there's two ways. Uh, they're obviously on Amazon, so they're both available on Amazon. Uh, I have made the Lime book, Love, Hope, Lime. I've made it available, the PDF version. I made it available for free for Lyme survivors. Uh, there's one thing I learned which shocked me is there's a lot of snake oil salespeople in the Lyme world that propose a certain type of drug or treatment. And I've interfaced with so many people who have uh, been taken advantage of. Sure. And it's also because like we talked about before, you know, since it's not covered by insurance when it gets chronic, it's an extremely expensive uh, medicine, uh, sorry, a a disease to treat. I also mentioned Lyme literate medical doctors. Uh, they're very expensive. You know, they're very specialized. They're most of them are amazing human beings, angels, if you will. But it's a very difficult disease. There's a lot of um, things related to it, so they are expensive. You know, initial right. initial meeting might be a thousand bucks. You know, and then a lot of cases, and there aren't they aren't all over the place, right? You know, there's a handful. So you, maybe if you live in Utah, you have to travel to DC, you know, to meet one, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, so I make the book free. I tell people, um, I've added like close to 5,000 Facebook friends. Mm -hmm. So you know, they could find me on Facebook. And if they are a Lyme survivor, I'd be happy to send them the PDF for the book. If they want a signed copy, they could reach out to me via LinkedIn. I'm very uh, ubiquitous on LinkedIn. Yep. I do, I do a post every day, Nick, uh, Typically it's on sales or business development mm -hmm. related, but once or twice a week, I do a post on Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. And I've had people who it's, it's, it's like, it's like this, someone who is a customer of mine would reach out and say, my sister-in-law's niece mm -hmm. has Lyme disease and they'll buy a bunch of copies so that everybody understands. And a guy who's one of my customers, you know, reached out to me and said, my sister-in-law's niece or whatever. And uh, he bought the book and he said, I bought it for everybody in the family. Mm -hmm. And we now have a more empathetic uh, perspective on what she's going through. So that's all you could really be. I mean, you can't understand, you know, it's like the, the expression, uh, when you have your health, you could do a million things. When you don't have your health, you only think of one thing. Mm -hmm. And there's so many people I've met who have to build their life around this. Like I talked about, it's all they think about every thing they do is based on how this is going to make me feel tomorrow. Right. You know, maybe I want to go for a walk. You talked about going for a walk up where mm -hmm. you are. I'm going to go for a walk today. I'm going to go out in nature and, you know, be protected, whatever. And they'll feel great. And then they can't get out of bed for three days, mm -hmm. you know, because of all the resulting things. It's, it's, um, it's a horrible way to live, but at the same time, like I said, with, with uh, Dr. Harwich, who wrote the foreword said, with love, there is hope with proper medical treatment. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, this is all, all very good points. And, <laughs> and, and I, I love having people like you on the show because you sort of 
emulate everything that we're trying to do here and, and like offering your book up for for free as a pdf version is is an amazing thing in itself especially when people are you know in pain um you know and i love that it kind of intertwines into your your business world too and your business life and that you know you, your customers are reaching out to you about Lyme disease and 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 their their thoughts and fears and things like that. So I really do appreciate that, Fred. Um, is there anything I haven't like talked about with the with with the the book or or Lyme that you definitely want to make sure our audience knows? Um, we we talked all about a lot of great things, um, how encompassing this disease can be. Um, but is there anything that you know you really want to you really want to hammer home in the last minute? <laughs> well, I just want to I want to acknowledge you. I mean, for talking about this on your show, mm -hmm. uh, I've done you know it, it's like I said before this uh, happened in my life. You know, I knew one person with Lyme, and uh, I did my best to to treat this person um, you know with, with love and respect. Uh, now I know thousands. Uh, I get people who God bless me every day. You know, I do a podcast, like I mentioned, the Love Hope Lime podcast, mm -hmm. and it's been out for about uh, about three or four months. And I interview people, and the topic is uh, what should caregivers know, mm -hmm. and what should Lyme survivors know about asking for support. You know, when I wrote the book, I thought it was going to be family members who were going to write it. I wrote it thin enough; it's 150 pages to be read in an hour and a half, mm -hmm. so that you know you would sit down and. I was very devoted to a particular person and I never Googled Lyme disease and I saw Lyme disease, but I just thought it was fatigue, stress. Mm -hmm. Okay. If this particular person seems to be very fatigued today, sweetheart, go take it easy. You know, we don't need to go dancing tonight, right? Uh, whenever you're ready, you know, we'll just watch TV or whatever it is we need to do. And then I, uh, now I've met thousands of people, um, people are, and it's interesting because, um, I never talked about it before, you know, a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. it, it was a big part of my life, but it wasn't huge. It was, like I mentioned, it was one of 10 factors that was happening in my life, but yeah, it was under, it seemed to be under control. Yeah. Now I've met so many people. Um, the other thing too, I guess though, just to wrap up is um, a lot of people have said to me that it's been helpful, uh, not just for Lyme, but for any chronic illness. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I didn't know, Nick, how many people were dealing with chronic illness. I've had friends who I've known for decades mm -hmm. who reached out to me when they you know, saw that I was uh, talking about this topic in the book, who said, I've had chronic migraines mm -hmm. you know, for 20 years. I've had chronic back pain for years. And uh, they wanted to tell their family members and their spouses and their children, this is what I'm going through. But the other thing too, last thing is uh, Lyme is, and a lot of these chronic illnesses, they're, they're not on the surface, right? right? So it's like, you might look great. I've had so many people who said, you know, people always come up to me and say, how could you have this chronic illness when you look great? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You lost some weight, you know? Uh, and I remember just the last thing is uh, I met one person and she became friends online. And I said, you know, Hey, I hope you have a healthy weekend. And she wrote back and she said, that's something you shouldn't say to people with chronic illness because they're not going to have a healthy weekend. Mm -hmm. So you want to be not like you have to walk on eggshells, but you want to be sensitive because it is the foremost thing on their brain. You know, you and I are talking here on a Friday morning uh, mm -hmm. when we're done. Um, I'm going to go prospect to some of my potential customers. You're going to go do whatever it is you're going to do. The person who's listening to this with chronic Lyme is going to think, what do I need today? 
to get through the day. So just in, mm -hmm. in conclusion, I just, want to, I just want to acknowledge you for having me on the show, for asking great questions, for bringing to however many people listen to your show, uh, this information. If, you know, it's one of those things, if one more person learns about this, uh, and I've had so many people who've, you know, it's, it's such a complex disease and, and they'll say, uh, I thought it was just fatigue or yeah. I heard it only happens in new England. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I've been happy to communicate more knowledge and I appreciate you for allowing me to do that. Well, thank you for being on the show, Fred, and, and sharing all this knowledge and being willing to connect with so many different people around a very important and often confusing, um, you know, disease. So if you want to learn more about Lyme or you think you might have chronic Lyme or just straight out Lyme right now, first of all, make sure that you, if you just got bit by a tick, you know, go make sure you get that taken care of uh, as quickly as you can. And um, I think the other step is really uh, take a look at Fred's book available on Amazon, connect with Fred on LinkedIn, and um, it just start to inform yourself a little bit more about, you know, what this can be. And um, hopefully that helps you. Um, so again, Fred, thanks for being on. That sounds terrific. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Good. Hey, one, thank you. Sure. I, I was gonna say, if you find a tick on your body, go Google where to send ticks, uh, send the tick, put it in a, in a plastic bag and, and send it. So the tick could be tested. There's a, a lot of work that's going on. That's being done to, um, find cures for the disease. There's a lot of initiatives going on. We want to cure people from this disease. So uh, if you do find a tick on you, go Google, you know, where should I send a tick? Mm -hmm. And uh, it'll send you uh, to places to do that. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Great, great last tip there, Fred. So again, appreciate everything you're doing. Thank you for joining us in another episode of That Sounds Terrific. Don't forget to check out the show notes and our website at thatsoundsterrific.com to find the contact information and the best ways to volunteer with the organizations that we feature. If you know someone that is doing terrific things and think they should be featured in a future episode, be sure to email us their name, contact info, and short description of what they're doing at thatsoundsterrific at gmail.com. If you like our show, give us a five-star rating and give us some social media love by liking our Facebook page, That Sounds Terrific. Follow us on Twitter at Sounds Terrific 2 and Instagram at Sounds Terrific. We love hearing your feedback on how to make our show sound even more terrific. Till next time.